Dividend Stocks, what you need to know. This is Industry Focus. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Industry Focus Financials Edition today. I am Christine Hargis, and I've got foolish analyst Michael Douglas sitting right beside me. Michael, welcome to the show. So glad to have you on. Thank you. Very, very kind to, uh, I guess, uh, invite me back to the show I used to run, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Folks, if you're thinking that name sounds familiar, you'd be right. And it's not just because of the actor. Michael uh, used to run the show back when it was where the money is, correct? Well, uh, right right after the, the name change. Uh, All right. So, so he's, the financials one. he's familiar with how we do things here on Industry Focus Financials. <laughs> So uh, Michael also actually runs our Wednesday edition of this show, which focuses all on healthcare. And if you haven't checked it out, it is really fantastic. A lot of good content on there. So make sure to tune in on Wednesday. I would highly recommend it. A flattery will get you everywhere, Christine. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're very kind. So I did get to borrow him from the healthcare show to do this financials edition uh, with me today. And I'm sure it's going to be a good one. So dividend stocks are on our minds today. So stocks where you're rewarded with cash just for holding shares. Michael, I'm going to turn it to you for some background info. Why do companies pay dividends? Sure. So so there are a few reasons. I mean, at, at its core, I think that you often see companies coming in with dividends when the sort of high growth opportunities have, have changed over into uh, more of a, a cash flow machine, right? So when you've got a company that has has kind of done its really fast growth and it's now trying to attract investors with something a bit more stable, which in this case is dividends. Income investors are very attracted to dividends, uh, and so it's a good way for a company to uh, to attract those kinds of sort of lower volatility investors. Um, and at the end of the day, sometimes you have a company that's just flush with money and they have got to do something with it. Um, and you'll often see them return to shareholders either via um, share repurchases or dividends. Uh, personally, I, I very much prefer dividends. Um, share repurchases, theoretically, w- so if your net income is flat, right, um, and you decrease your share count, then your earnings per share will increase. Um, so that would be the reason to do share repurchases. But th- those are often... Really, to just sort of zero out management expenses and stuff like that, and so I, I tend to prefer cold hard cash. It's a sign that the company is actually making money. You know, you can't you can't fake cash. Um, Everybody loves cash, so that sounds pretty great. So I mean, more cash is a better thing, right? So is a bigger dividend always better? Uh, not always. Well, so. <laughs> One of the things with a dividend is, so you'll often see these these big yields. And actually, I'll tell you, my my very first investment was in this company that had like, like a twelve or fifteen percent yield or something like that. I just looked at that and said, "Oh my gosh!" Right? Like, just just imagine how quickly I can double my money. Um, one of the key mistakes I made there was that I didn't look at how sustainable the dividend the dividend was. Um, and I think if you probably get any three people in a room, you're going to get four opinions on what the best way <laughs> of picking dividend sustainability is. Um, some folks prefer what's called the uh, earnings payout ratio, which is essentially the um, percentage of earnings um, that are paid out in dividends. Um, personally, I gravitate more toward the um, cash payout ratio uh, because, again, at the end of the day, dividends aren't going to be um, – Funded through earnings, they're going to be funded through the cash that you're actually able to generate, um, and the the way you generate that uh, that um, cash dividend payout ratio is essentially by taking the cash operations, which you can find in the um, in the uh, company's uh, 10K or um, 10Q, their quarterly or um, annual earnings, um, 
then you subtract out capital expenditures. Um, that gives you what's called sort of the quick and dirty free cash flow. Um, and then you divide the amount in dividends paid by the amount of free cash flow. So, for example, I went ahead and just did this on a, on a piece of paper before we, uh, before we came into the studio. But Coca-Cola is a dividend stock. They, um, in the past 12 months, um, they generated $11.1 billion dollars in cash flow operations. Um, their capital expenditure was $2.4 billion, yielding a free cash flow amount of $8,650,000,000. They paid out $6.791 billion in dividends, and so their cash payout ratio was 78.5%. Usually, you want a lower uh, cash payout ratio because that means that you know volatility happens, right? Markets happen. Stuff happens to businesses, um, and so the lower that cash payout ratio is, the more upside there might be. Now, 78.5% is pretty high, but when you think about a really stable business like Coca-Cola, maybe it's not scary high, right? If, if you've got a, I don't know, we, Christine and I work together in, in healthcare a lot too. So if you've got like a, a healthcare company with a, a huge, a really high cash payout ratio, 80% plus, you know, that's not so great. Right. And of course, a, a dividend is sort of a marker of uh, the sustainability of the business itself. And so you don't want it to be a faulty flag there. Uh, so how can savvy investors be sure they're not falling into a dividend trap? Right. Like I did with my first stock. Uh, I, I think the, the key thing, first off, is to look at that cash payout ratio, because that tells you essentially business today can it sustain the dividend. And by the way, the payout ratio on that stock, that first stock that I bought, which again, I'm not going to name, was like ridiculously high. I and mean, it was north of 100%, right? Which is just not sustainable given the amount of money you're making. And again, what that means is that they were paying out more than they were taking in. Yeah, exactly. Which is, of course, unsustainable. So um, on, on the opposite side of that spectrum, so sustainability is key. And fortunately, we've got a whole class of stocks that are called dividend aristocrats, and mm-hmm. they've proven themselves to be really great dividend payers. How does a stock get to join this club? So essentially, you have to pay out increasing dividends for 25 years. Um, so you have to increase your dividends at least annually for the past 25 years. And the nice thing about that in this time, right, is that l- let's face it. As I mentioned, markets happen, recessions happen, right? <laughs> and so you will have stocks have to slash their dividend. For something to, for a company to be a dividend aristocrat today, it didn't slash its dividend in 08 or 09. And in fact, it didn't slash its dividend in the early 80s when we had another recession, which means that this company was sustainable and stable enough to keep increasing its dividend when everything else was falling. And sometimes these increases are pretty small. Of course. But still, at keeping a track record like that is a really good way of signaling that this is a stable income investment. Mm-hmm. And and when you when you hear the list of companies that are, are dividend aristocrats, you think about it and you're like, I'm not really that surprised. It's companies like Walgreen and like Medtronic, Johnson & Johnson, Coca-Cola. Um, McDonald's is a dividend aristocrat. You know, These are companies that have been around for a while. Uh, Colgate Palmolive. Um, they'll they've been around for a while and they'll probably be around for a while and that's one of the nice things about that is it's a it's a it's a more stable part of your portfolio awesome so there are some other categories of investments that income investors will want to be familiar with uh, such as REITs and MLPs Michael what's the deal with these so with a REIT which is a real estate investment trust um, there are a few different types, but broadly, what REITs do is they are required by law to pay out 90% of their otherwise taxable earnings out as dividends, in exchange for which they don't pay income tax, which is kind of a good deal for them and a good deal for investors, too, because that means you're going to get these really kind of 
higher yields than you might see otherwise. Um, uh, HCP, which is one of the uh, big healthcare REITs, um, is a it's a member of the dividend aristocrats index, and it pays I think like a five percent yield, which is um, if not the highest in that index, ju- pretty darn close. And that's in part because of that that requirement for REITs. And that's really impressive to be both on that list and have a payout that's that high, because clearly it's sustainable. So does uh, cash flow payout ratio just go out the window for REITs? So <laughs> REITs are um, REITs are a bit more complicated, and, and and this is one of those things where, you know, I think in investing we always try to talk about broad rules, and whenever you take a broad rule, it doesn't apply as well to others. Um, so for for REITs. Um, and again, it depends on whether you're going equity or mortgage rate. You have to look at um, you have to look at the book value. You have to look at rent increases, um, and that's actually a key part of looking at that dividend sustainability for any company. Um, is you want to not just know about the cash that was generated last year and the year before, but you want to also look at what their growth prospects are. Can they keep bumping cash? Because of course, if they can't, then that dividend is going to stagnate at some point. It has to, otherwise, they'll do. You know that awful first company I invested in, uh, <laughs> and and have to slash their dividend. Um, and so you always do want to know those growth prospects. There, there's never going to be any any um, one thing that tells you a stock is a is a screaming buy. You know I would ignore the financial media when they tell you that sort of thing. Um, it's always going to be sort of a holistic look at a bunch of different things. Makes sense. So last question for you. Uh, we've talked a lot about how great dividends are. Right. Is there ever a time where you would prefer a company not pay a dividend? Yeah, um, when when a company has the opportunity to re- reinvest in its business instead, um, instead, and, and get a higher return, that's when I'm going to tend to prefer um, that it not pay out a dividend. So a good example of this is Berkshire Hathaway, right? I mean, this is a company that's been able to grow its book value just enormously year in and year out, and it doesn't pay a dividend, and that's because they're instead using that cash to fund purchases and to invest, and it's working very well for them. You also see this in a lot of biotechs, right? Uh, frankly, a lot of the time, it's a, it's a better deal for a, a company um, like perhaps a Celgene, for example, in healthcare, to keep buying up opportunities to expand its pipeline and to just continue that sort of ridiculously strong growth, as opposed to settling into you know a 1% or 2% dividend and sacrificing a lot of that top-line growth potential. Right, and so you see both inorganic and organic growth opportunities there are yeah. times when you might want to see your company just spend all of their money pursuing that sort of strategy instead of handing it back to shareholders. And hopefully over time, that's going to reward you more as the company's value grows. Yeah, and, and, and let's face it, you know, um, Apple now pays a dividend, and, and, and I think a lot of us, uh, certainly as an Apple shareholder, right, I... Um, I, I see that as a signal that maybe the growth isn't going to be as incredible as it's been the last several years. I'm okay with that. That is a fine trade for me, um, but but maybe not for everyone. And so you have to be aware of those inherent trade-offs when you're pursuing a dividend stock. Yeah, I, I felt the same exact way with Gilead Sciences, which I'm a shareholder in Gilead, and they announced that they were going to initiate their dividend. I think the announcement came in February. And you know, we just had this conversation about how you don't want to see biotechs paying out dividends. But for Gilead, it was a, a, a marker that this is now a mature company that's generating so much cash that they want to reward their shareholders with it. And maybe you're not going to have the same explosive growth, but it's turning into a more stable company that can generate that sort of revenue. Yeah, and and I think that can be that can be an important part of your portfolio, depending on your risk tolerance, depending on what you're looking for, depending on how you feel about companies and the market as a whole. Great disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's it's always important because you know here at the Motley Fool, we're always about 
uh, being motley in our investing styles and that there should be a lot of different opinions. Just because I share one doesn't mean it's the right one. Just because Christine says one, much to her chagrin, uh, that doesn't necessarily, <laughs> I'm just kidding, that doesn't necessarily mean it's the right one. It's always important to do your own due diligence. That's great. Well, I think that about wraps up the time that we have today. Michael, thank you so much for doing the show and giving me plenty of grief on it today. (laughs) Folks, thanks for listening. Uh, There is a ton more information on Fool.com all about dividend investing, as well as plenty of coverage on all the companies that we've talked about today. If you've got any questions for us, any high-yield stocks that you're unsure about or whatever is really on your mind, shoot us an email at industryfocus at Fool.com. Looking forward to hearing from you, and have a fantastic week, everyone. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. 